We are in week four of our current teaching series, What Was I Thinking? In this group of messages, we're bringing truths relating to who God is, his attributes, his characteristics, so, so that we would know God as he intended us to. So when we hit these ebb and flow of life, uh, circumstances, we respond to them from a place of our accurate knowledge of God versus maybe what might be a distorted or self-contrived knowledge and wind up coming to a, a decision which lands us in a direction and a place and we're saying, what was I thinking? How did I do that? Why did I do that? How do I get there, right? The society and the culture around us wants to believe that maybe God is not, is a harsh God or God is, is a distant God. Uh, maybe that God is, uh, you know, an incommunicable God. But, but we know that God is more powerful than we think, more present than we think, right? More loving than we think, more holy and more active than we think. And, and this same culture wants us to believe that we can put the worship of God and the worship of false God, false idols, alongside each other and blend them together, right? You can put a holy God alongside unholy things. Today I want to talk to you about holiness. I want to talk to you about a holy God today. You can, the culture tells us, you can put truth alongside lies and you can blend them and it's satisfactory. It's all fine. And, and God is up there and he's looking down and he's saying, man, you know, what are you thinking? Why are you thinking this way? Because you wouldn't apply this in any other area of your life. What are you doing? You see, God is more holy than we think. Do you think of, being, of God being holy at all? Does that cross your mind when you think about God? God is holy. I mean, it's like, do you really care if God is holy? I mean, it's like, you know, you know, Dave, yeah, I, I got the whole God is more powerful. God is more present. He's more loving. I, I, but God is more holy. David, honestly, it's not even on my radar. I, I don't even have that lens on when I think of God, you know? I mean, when I think of how God is going to help me get through my life, and I don't think of God as holy. I don't really I care if he's holy. I need him to be present. I need him to be powerful. I need him to be loving. I don't care if he's holy. <laughs> Well, that's gonna do, what is that going to do for me? Huh? It's just not how I think about God. But it's how God calls us and wants us and created us to think about him as a holy God. Hmm? And we're going to just let that settle in because this is critical. This is so important for you to grasp this. This, this is really a, 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 a magnificent moment for you. To, to really increase your understanding of your God, of your heavenly Father, to know him and see him as he's created you to and as he desires you to for your betterment. So in the first three weeks of this series, we were talking about a man named Asa. Actually, the first two weeks we talked about Asa. We jumped out last week to something different. And now, and, and we talked about Asa being the king of Judah. And it was this time uh, in, 
in, in Asa's kingdom in the nation of Judah where they were getting ready to, they were being attacked actually by this epic army that was over two times the size of their army. More armor, more men. And, and, and in that time, leading up to that time, that kingdom of Judah and Asa, they were kind of living out their life where they, where they were combining false God and the one true God. They were bringing them together. They were, they were taking a holy God and unholy truths, and they were bringing them together. And we read about this in Second Chronicles chapter 14. It's in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verses 3 to 4, right? It says, he, that's Asa, removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the ashrapos. So these ashrapos, there was a, a god, a false god named Asherah in that time and in that culture. And the Jewish people were bringing in these ashrapos, meaning uh, symbols of worship of him, bringing them into the temple, which was the presence of God, and they were worshiping Asherah alongside worshiping God. That's what they were doing. And verse 4 says, He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. So Asa tells the people, listen, seek God. Remember the God of our ancestors. Remember what God has done in the lives of our great-grandfathers, of our ancestors. Remember his faithfulness. Remember the truths he's given to us. Asa is telling the people to follow God, to follow the truth. He's saying, don't mix the unholy with the holy. You see? So Asa and the people of Judah set out to seek God, to seek holiness, and to rid their land of the unholy false gods and unholy way of behaving. And they, in turn, then were able to defeat this monstrous army that was attacking them and to come to a victory. And now they knew God as a very powerful God, as a very present God. They now knew God as a God who works supernaturally. I believe in the supernatural. I deeply believe in that. It's a core part of my faith in God, that it was supernatural. It's beginning with heaven and hell and me going to eternity and being resurrected from the dead to be with my heavenly Father. I believe in the supernatural. Do you? I am not solely, let's pause here. Do you consider yourself a material being or a spiritual being? Do you consider yourself someone who is derived from matter and therefore you are a material being? There is no God. There is no God. There is no heaven. There is no spirit inside of you. You are not created from an intelligence, your intelligent mind, your vastly intelligent mind was not created by an intelligent design. You you were derived from matter. There is nothing animated in you. And therefore you are a materialistic person and you live out from that place of material. Or are you a spiritual being? Your intelligent mind was created by, an, by a greater intelligence. He breathed his spirit into you and you live out from that spirituality. 
See, this is where, as believers in Jesus, we want to be living out from our spirituality. We want to be feeding this wolf. We want to be increasing our spirit. And it's critical to know God for who he is to do that. Because when we don't, we will more and more drift to really out living out from a materialistic, rationalistic way. And we don't want that. Yeah, we're going to reason, but we don't want reason to be above the truth in the scripture, right? And, and how, we don't want our reason to be above who God says he is. Because when we do that, we're going to live more in the materialistic versus living in the spiritual. And where are we going to find the supernatural? Right here. Where are we going to have those moments of all with God? Right here. Where are we going to have those moments of massive peace when we realize God truly is with us? Like, I, I thought I knew you, but here you are. I came to my end of myself, and there you are. In such a supernatural way. Versus here kind of living out this mix of holy and unholiness, of kind of more materialistic with a, with a sprinkle of spiritual and really living out of ways. I've said, Jesus doesn't have to show up. My life is really, I'm not actually expecting the supernatural. Does that make sense? I'm not living out my life expecting the supernatural. I don't expect that. And therefore, I'm not gonna align my steps and my decisions to, to expect that. So really my relationship with Jesus is going to be kind of more, if you will, descriptive. I have a knowledge of God and Jesus, but, but it's more descriptive of knowledge than it is experiential over here. And that might confuse some of you. We want God's truth. We want to experience God, and we want to do it in a supernatural way. And, and, and to do that, you need to know God for who he is. He's a holy God, yes? So... Let's go and jump in chapter 15 now of, the, uh, of 2 Chronicles. So 2 Chronicles chapter 15, it says, King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Maker, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut it down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Why was Asa ridding the nation in the valley of false gods? Because he knew the truth and he knew this wasn't holy. Asa knew that the people now had gotten stuck in their distorted way of knowing God. You see, if you don't know God is holy, there's, there's, there's a distortion. If you don't see God is holy, then there's, your view of him is, if I'll, I'll just work like incomplete, distorted. It's a lens that is clouded. He's a holy God. And the people there in Judah, was, they were stuck in this mix of holy and unholy. And Asa had now, his eyes were open, he's seen what it was doing to the people. They were living out convoluted lives, one step forward, two step backs. They were so far from knowing the God of their ancestors, the God of the supernatural, the God who led the Jews out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea, the God of Jacob, of Isaac, and Abraham, the God of his great-grandfather, David. Well, great-great-grandfather, David. We can do the same thing the people of Judah were doing. We can say to ourselves that we will follow this God and then take these false teachings, false ways of thinking of God and lifestyles and way of applying it, and we blend them together. So there was a... Um, there is or was. I read an article about uh, Bachelor, Bachelorette, the show. It's a show, Bachelor, Bachelorette. And pretty much the show is designed 
the theme, I think, is people come together, and I think there's a, uh, in this case, I guess it was a, 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 a female, and she's now going to pick from a bunch of these men on who they're going to marry. I could be a little incomplete here, but I think it's kind of, it's just a mishmash of, you know, people having sex here or sex there or getting to know each other in these different ways. And, um, and in this last show, you had a Hannah and a Luke. And I think at one point, you know, Hannah and Luke had kind of come together. Uh, Luke was a professed Christian. Hannah was a professed Christian. They both said we believe in Jesus, and, and that was a significant part of their relationship. And at some point, Luke infers to her or says to her, I guess also they have these, I'm going to call them escape or fantasy rooms where the contestants, the people that are part of she'll get to go in these rooms and have sex with each other to see, hey, are you the right one for me? Um, you know, because this is a good way to find out if this is what's going to make a relationship work, a committed relationship. Let's have sex with different people so we can try them out and, and have a sense of where they're at and, and if this is going to be the right one for me. And as I said, I alluded to, or maybe I didn't, but as my, my daughter Janelle, in, in just hearing of this stuff, as she says so well, she goes, you know, I know that's what people, my, people tell me, uh, people on my teams and my friends, like, that it's okay to do this, to sleep with different people or to have different relationships because we're, we're getting a better understanding of what we don't like and don't like. And Janelle, Janelle says, you know, maybe what they don't realize is that, or I would think, they're just being conditioned to not be committed to a relationship, right? To not being committed to one person, to not understanding what it is to just know somebody for them rather than to just get what you think pleases you, right? Just a thought. Well, anyway, this, this Luke and this Hannah, I guess at one point Luke basically kind of, you know, expresses her that, okay, I, I, you know, hey, I've not slept with a, a woman before, but as far as you, my, my concern is that, you know, right now from here on in that you don't sleep with other men and that you're not sleeping with any men right now that are, that are around here, that are kind of have all these contestants. To which she goes, I think, kind of ballistic. And she's like, how dare, you know, you, you, you I think it was, you, you slut shame me? <laughs> how dare you slut shame me? By, 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 by judging me and, and, and telling me that, you know, I shouldn't sleep with other people. And she says, actually, I've slept with this one twice already in this area, on the set. And by the way, Jesus loves me. And then she came out and said, actually, I've slept four times with him, and Jesus loves me. So, and what she's, and, and this is kind of pervasive and common to a, a Christian culture that is, kind of taken, okay, again, that, that now, you know, what is the authority uh, of, our, of our reason? And it it's, could be that entertainment, the science, technology, but now, now this, this is, it's come in, right? It, we're mixing the unholy with the holy. And what, what I would, if I had an audience with Hannah, I'd say, you know, Hannah, I am positive you're right. Jesus loves you. And, and, and but you know, God created you in his image, he breathed his spirit into you. He did not do that for any other of his creations. He did this to have relief. God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit, relationship, breathed spirit into you that you now could have relationship with them. You could have a closeness and an awareness of who they are and thereby have an intimacy with them to know them and that they know you. And this is what God did. And, and, and to, to know, yes, God loves you. But, to, but, not, but you need to know God and, and to know that God is holy. That same God who loves you is a God who is holy. And if you don't know his holiness, I don't 
think you know him. And if you don't know him, then to what extent can you know his love? Do you hear me? If we don't know him, to what extent can we know his love? The more I know of Christy, the more I know of her love. I want to know all that she is. I do. And the more I know that, the more we grow in our closeness and our intimacy. This is how God intended. God wants us to know him for who he is. He's a holy God. And God, and, and the more we do this, the more we're able to love and to understand his love. And, and when it comes to this sexual intimacy, which God gave us, God of all the creatures, I say this over and over and over, Perhaps it's one of the most, it's, it's great evidence that there is a God and he created us for the institution of marriage, man and woman come together in that, he, that we, can have, we can have sexual intimacy, have pleasure and have it draw two people closer together. This is what God intended. It's phenomenal. No other creature in all the universe has this, but we do. Clearly, it's, a dis- it's distinctive. And it's a trait of God that we'd, we'd come together in relationship with him and with each other. And we'd enjoy this and have pleasure with it. We would, and this would be an experience that really would draw us closer to God and, and increase our pleasure and our bonding with one another for the sake of our marriage. And this was a safe and a beautiful and wonderful place for this to take place. And we do this with the mindset that God is holy <laughs> and he's loving and he's present and he's powerful, but he's holy. We want to know God for all that he is. Otherwise, we'll mix this with that and we're going to mess up this. What was this? Did you follow me? The shell game. What was this? Tell me what this is. It's the intimacy. <laughs> you see? we got a holy God, a loving God, a present, powerful God. And he's given us this incredible, beautiful ability to know each other deeply and to have this sexual intimacy and to have the pleasure and the bonding in it. And the more we know him and he knows us, we can live this out as he intended, unperverse, uncorrupted, unclouded. But when we come here and we start taking the unholiness and how we talk and how we act and how we think and how we behave and then we're messing up how we see God, then it's going to affect this. It's going to affect this. It's going to affect how you know God. It's going to affect how you see yourself. It's going to affect how you see your spouse. It's going to see how you look at a girl and a woman, a a man, a guy. This is what it's going to do. But if you see God as holy, come on, and as a God who loves you, and you start to look at life that way, and people of the opposite sex that way, and your spouse that way, it changes everything now, doesn't it? Because you're seeing it all from who God is and how he wants you to see it. I was all over the place. I hope I got that across, huh? Asa would tell us God is more holy than we think. Asa was familiar with the teachings of God, the word of God in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 through 8. says, consecrate yourself and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. (laughs) God makes us holy. Jesus brought these same teachings in the New Testament. 
when he came to earth. He had followers, what we call disciples, and they literally would walk behind him and follow him. They would listen to what he was saying, and they, they, would, they would memorize it. And in those days, they had phenomenal memories. Kind of like, like right now, if I want to, you know, right now, a current generation, and I'm kind of absorbed in this now, if I wanted to get somebody who could spell good, I'd go back about 15 to 20 years, right? Because now you don't really have to learn how to spell really good. You have spell check, right? Well, well, back in the days of Jesus and antiquity, they didn't have things to record, to write down, so they had to become phenomenal when it came to memorizing things. If you look at Greek literature, Greco-Roman literature, there are orators, scribes that can memorize 2,500 to 3,000 words, word for word. And they would follow him and memorize what he was saying. They'd give their best effort to do what he did. They wanted to be like Jesus. And they, and they said to Jesus, can you, can you teach us to pray? We want to know how to pray. What's the best way to pray? And what did Jesus bring them? He brought them what we know as the Our Father, right? Yeah. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father that art in heaven. Meaning Jesus is telling his disciples this truth. We have a heavenly Father. That's all. You have a heavenly Father. That's the truth. He loves you. He's in heaven. You and I are not material be are not material beings. We are not an accident. We are spiritual beings, and that and that is supported by our Father in heaven. Now, this truth is the basis of your identity. This is who you are. You're a spiritual being who has a Father in heaven. This is who you are first and foremost. There is one God, the true God, your Father in heaven. And then, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So turn to your neighbor left and right and tell them what you think hallowed mean. What does hallowed mean? It means holy. It means holy. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Holy be your name, right? Acer realizes God is holy. Jesus telling us his Father in heaven is holy. We want to be in awe of that holiness. It's, it's just so critical. It's so life-changing for you to adapt this and embrace this into your view of God that to come to this place of awe that God is holy. I, I, I think sometimes we live in a very, um, what's the word? I'm not anti-culture. It might sound that way, but I'm, I'm really not. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm submersed for the most part in a lot of our culture. Um, we live in a, a world that, let's just say, it's very diluted in our culture. We have so many choices, right? I was sitting in one of my counseling classes and, and, and one of the professors was just speaking to like, you know, one of the things that are really becoming prominent in what they're seeing that's causing so much emotional ability is that we have so many choices, you know, more than you realize. It used to be you came up in life and you kind of ha had an idea of where you're going to live, where you're going to work, what you're going to be a part of. It just kind of came to be. And there was a security in that and, and, and a strength in that. And now the choices are just massive. And and it really seemingly is causing huge anxiety. They're saying, this, they're saying this is what they think is a contributor to figuring out this mass problem we have, that there's so many choices. And I get that, Christy and I, and we'll sit down with the kids, we'll say, okay, at this point right now, if you even say, let's pick out a movie, my kids will be like, no, no, please, stop, no. 
Like just like like just really put splinters under our our our, uh, our nails. Just don't ask us to pick out a movie because it'll take us like an hour, you know, 45 minutes to to pick out a movie. There's so many choices, right? And so what this does is I think it kind of and, and then you know there's ways that people are trying to you know just kind of what's the word uptick things. Uh, you know, to, in, in all these choices, it kind of dilutes things, right? Uh, um, things come out as so fast. A, a lot of things are kind of quote unquote artificial, right? Uh, you know, artificial flavoring, artificial picture. Uh, even in the, because they're coming out as so fast and they gotta be brought to us, they're, they're not, if you will say, the same genuineness, quality, depth that they used to be, in a sense, right? Um, you know, and you see that all over the place. And so what you're missing is kind of that, that purity that just really is kind of organic and just, just in itself is so, so genuine and precious, right? So um, I don't know if this is the best illustration. Um, and I, uh, oh, during vacation, Christy and I took Diane and Lloyd and the kids. I had an idea. It came to me when I was here in uh, Massachusetts. I'm thinking, you know, we, you know, when we get down there, you know, what are we going to do? And, you know, I saw something that made me think, oh, it's a nice thing to do for my father-in-law, Lloyd. And, uh, you know, we have this kind of peculiar relationship, Lloyd and I, right, you know? And a deposit, withdrawal, deposit, withdrawal, withdrawal, withdawal, withdrawal, 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 withdrawal. And so I figured, okay, uh, you know, I seen this kind of like a, a band called Molasses Creek and they're showing at this theater. And I'm like, okay, just, it's got Lloyd's name. It's just Lloyd, Molasses Creek. And no, say no more, right? And it's some like bluegrass or, I, I'm just, it's Lloyd. I'm like, you know what, we'll, we'll go. We'll have a nice time as a family. My kids won't be crazy about it, but you know, it's not about them for that night and, and we'll be cool. So what I didn't know is that when we got down to the Outer Banks, and we were in Hatteras, the southernmost part of the Outer Banks, that where the venue, the, the concert hall was, and you'll, you'll understand why I stress that, is in Ocracoke, which is actually an island not attached to the Outer Banks. We got to take a ferry for one hour in a ferry across the ocean to get to Ocracoke. Which, you know, okay, a little concerned about that. But then I, I got a map on the computer of Ocracoke, and you see it's got all these, like, dots. Kind of like if you were looking at, like, Kenny Bunkport. He's got all these little indicators of a shop and a store and a restaurant. I'm like, okay, it's going to be cool, you know, like, a, you know, kind of pedestrian thing. Well, man, we, we get off the ferry, and within, like, minutes, it's like, okay, this is not what we thought. There, there are not many cars. I should have brought the picture of your parents trying to figure out the gas, the gasoline thing. <laughs> There's only one gas station on the whole, on the whole island, and it's closed down. You just walk up to the pump and just figure it out and do what you got to do. And, and really, most people are driving bicycles, golf carts, and scooters, right? And, and, and you're like, not many cars. So and, and everything is crazy laid back. It's like Gilligan's Island. There you go. It's like an like like uptick of Gilligan. It just came to me. That's what it's like. And they even speak some of their own dialect, Ocracoke. It's like English and Ocracoke. And uh, you really think like, well, I, I've gone somewhere else. And so uh, the kids want smoothies, so we dropped them off. There's nowhere to park when we really, when we dropped them off for the smoothies and ice cream. So I'm like, Lord, let's just go over to the, you know, the, the concert hall or the venue and we'll park the car there in the parking lot and then we'll walk back four blocks. So I pull over and I see this sign and, and it's like the sign, there's a lot of like tropical woods and there's like this dirt path. And oh my God, so there's a small church across the street. I park, I put the car there. 
And Lloyd looks at me, and he's got this grin on his face, like, oh, man, I see this. We walk down the dirt road through the woods, and there it is. There's the concert hall. It's a double-wide trailer, man. I'm not kidding you. It's a double-wide trailer with a, with a tin roof. That's my concert venue. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was. Uh, you know, we're waiting in line to get in at 8 o'clock. The kids come. They're all looking at me like, the mosquitoes are like on us, man. They're like attacking us. We're like kids. They open up the doors. You go in. It's a double wide trailer that's had plywood floors, and they got the plastic Walmart chairs. They put about 90 of them real tight. And you know, let me just stop there. You got to play the video. Here's Molasses Creek. And then the phone came off the wall. Now I've got those geeky digital blues, because I'm so old school that I crawl. Our fourth grade class, we crossed the state, I chaperoned my son. The parents swung from luggage racks and caroused like wild beasts. Cause the kids were like librarians, sitting silent in their seats, like little I... Okay, so... <laughs> the microphone was like a microphone from the 1920s. So I'm sitting there in a double wide, uh, watching this. Now here's the thing. And before, before it even started, my mother-in-law leaned over and she says... Yeah, you, you did it this time. They're going to turn on you. She goes, like, yeah, they're going to turn on you, she said. Because I haven't met. Well, you know, we, we actually enjoyed it. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, right before this song, I got that one because there was a couple before that that I was just too caught up to do it. But one song was called uh, Old People in Love, right? Old People in Love. And so here's the thing. Molasses Creek, those people... They've been on Ocracoke for a long time. It's where they live. Their songs are all about their life on the island in detail. It's coming out of them with such meaning. So I'm sitting there listening to these, whole, these people who live on their island sing about their experiences on the island. They now begin to sing about this older couple, elderly couple that come into the local diner there and sit in a back booth and how they're so in love and describe everything the way they're holding his hand. I'm, I'm sitting there crying. I'm sitting there crying. And, and I'm having, and they're doing it so meaningfully. And you know what it was, man? It just was pure. You get me? Meaning I'm sitting on an island in the ocean. I'm sitting in tropical woods in a double wide trailer in the dark in a plastic chair hearing these local natives sing about their experiences on the island and all of a sudden this music and their words they're so genuine and pure to me that it just resonates and I'm in awe I just every just a moment I take it in you see <laughs> when we don't See, God is holy. We're missing out on that moment of, of, of if you will, of purity, of, of being in awe and of reverence of God. When we begin to see God as holy and, 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 and God calls us and enables us to now move towards our process of purity and begin to purify our lives, we begin to be in awe of God. Things, you know, now we're not diluting, if you will, you know. We're not, see, when we mix unholiness with holy, we're diluting, right? That's just like a law of physics. I mean, I never got past general science one, but is that good? Is that right? Okay, let's not do that. Let's pursue the holiness of God 
Let this purify our lives. Let us see God for who he is and let us have those moments where we are, where everything slows down, what is most important is no longer diluted, but it was carrying the weight in our mind and our hearts, right? What needs to be diluted is being diluted, right? The perverseness, the ungodliness, the unholiness, the distraction, the muck, the mire, the hate, that needs to be diluted, yes? Mm. But let's, let's, let's keep God where he needs to be on the throne of our hearts and minds, right? And let's have that awe experience with God. Listen, you know, when we want to emphasize something, we say it over and over. I am such a repetitive person when I speak that clearly my kids are just like, okay, dad, okay, dad, okay, like in the most respectful way, like, okay, dad. If, if I count you and I talk with you, I am crazy repetitive. Before I get off the phone with you, I'll repeat it one more time. I'll say it, I'll say it again, I'll say it three different ways, and, and then I'll say it before I, then I'll be, hey, goodbye, I love you. Oh, by the way, ba 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 ba. Jesus did the same thing. You know, Jesus would say, verily, verily, truly, truly, meaning we do that. When something's really important, we kind of double up. You see, when it comes to <laughs> describing God, there's only one characteristic that the Bible uses, and it says it three times to the third degree. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, meaning God is holy, so holy that in the book of Isaiah, in the Old Testament, and in the book of Revelation, the ending of the scripture in the, in the New Testament talks about the ending of time that the angels are going to be around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that when you and I are with our heavenly Father and with the, with the angels, we're going to be singing out, crying out, holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty, yes? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, it says, In the year, Isaiah is saying, In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Our God is more holy than we think. And that's a beautiful thing, huh? God's holiness purifies us our sin is to be purified by a holy God. When we know him as a holy God, we're now going to see this purification process happen in our lives rather than us now, and we're going to see that clarity and that comfort spiritually with our vision, with our lives, and we see our futures versus we're going to take, you know what, we're going to, we, we actually, you know, the clarity, the crystal clear, the purity, that, that, that presence of God, of a holy God, dark red. How about we kind of come with a rosé? Is that what it is? Rosé? I don't know. I'm making up my colors. Okay. Anyway, magenta. Right? Remember Justin, his favorite color was magenta? God have mercy. He, he comes in one day, he's like two years old. My favorite color is pink. I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. It's not going to be pink. <laughs> so so we, we negotiated to magenta. That was, my, that was Justin, too. Okay. I don't know why I got there. Anyway, so... 
we, we don't want to we don't want to dilute that don't, do you see the beauty of that process the power of that process of us being cleansed and freed can you think of all in that cloudiness in that muck and what's going on in there is what's happening in us and a holy God as we see him that way and know him that way comes in and just cleanses it all and that is not limiting as we think that we are holy we think limitation limitation right no it's freedom it's freeing it's clarity it's comfort all right so god is more holy than we think god created you as a spiritual being he wants your spirit to thrive he wants it to increase in its purity right he wants you to become more and more like jesus this is a good thing it's called sanctification when you come to Jesus, there's a greater hope, there's a greater comfort, there's, yes, there's power, there's presence, and now you can truly know God's love. Do you want to know the love of God in its purest, most uninhibited, most genuine way, or do you want it in this kind of a convoluted, diluted way, if they're even, I don't know, I, I wouldn't know how to articulate what this actually is, but I know it's not this, and I know here there is no supernatural, and I know here there is supernatural. First Peter chapter 13, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, man, God created you, he's an intelligent being, and you have an intelligent mind. With minds that are alert, sober, you know the truth. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Jesus is coming for you. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. If you're believing that you can have sex out of marriage and you can fornicate and you can sleep with different people, even sleep with the same person out of marriage, and this is okay, I will tell you, I love you. you I'd love to hang out with you. I value you. I think the world of you. The better I get to know you, the more I'll be upfront about that because I feel that God is doing a work in you and in our relationship. That is a pastor. I can speak to that. But I'm going to tell you this. This right here, you're, you're living apart, meaning you're, you're living apart you're conforming to that desire that the scripture calls as evil because it's apart from a holy God. You're living in a way that, although be it you believe because of the culture is okay because there's different emotions and thoughts involved, but it's actually ignorant, meaning not well-informed is that word what it means, to a holy God, meaning this is a holy God. And if you know him that way, you're going to realize there's something greater than this, Right? There's something greater than that. He's a holy, holy God. And there are other, I pulled out that one. There are other areas of our lives that we could address. Because I was on the whole bachelorette thing, I'm kind of landing there. But there are other many things that we could address as well. And not for the sake of judgment or condemnation, absolutely not. But for the sake of freedom and for the sake of knowing God for who he is. For the sake of experiencing the supernatural in our relationships. For the sake of honoring the one who created us for relationships. For the sake of having all that God called us to in relationships. For the sake of the past being the past. All that's happened in relationships in the past is the past. Right? And we press on that God will take hold of us for what Jesus Christ took hold of us for, to know that. And we want to know God is a holy God. I'm all over the place. All right, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 8. Let's try and bring this out. 
When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of his Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Asa removed the unholy things from the people's lives, and then he repaired the temple for worship. So, what did Asa do here? And what do I want you to walk away with, at least as we close this out? Asa prepared himself and the people for worship, for transforming life-changing worship. And what did he do? He removed and he repaired. That's the Bible, right? Scripture says, he removed and he repaired. Remove that which is unholy from your life. Remove the things that are unholy from your life and repair what needs to be repaired in your worship with God. Do you get me? Ask yourself that question, hey, what do I need to remove from my life? <laughs> now that I know God is holy, now that I am informed, now that I grasp the truth, and now that I see the importance of the purity and what exists, what can exist in genuineness in my relationships with God and others, what do I need to remove from my life that is unholy? What is unholy in my life? No more diluting. No more holding on to the past. No, no, no. What is, what is unholy? I want it gone from my life. It, 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 is, it is limiting me. It is holding me from seeing all that God is and how God wants me to know him. Huh? Now, then we go, what needs to be repaired in our life? What needs to be re- repaired in your life? Is it, is it your calendar like me? You know, do you have so much on your calendar that you contend to have moments where you're not with God enough like you should be? Right? It, it, you know, to the extent that maybe you're not with your community uh, of believers like you should be. I mean, we, we have life groups coming up. We're talking about them. <laughs> These life groups, they're intended life group. But it, but what does that mean, life group? Meaning people come together in groups to share life. That's, the, that's what we want. We believe so much in the community of people. We believe that you want to know why you're here. You want to have an identity, and that's your Father in heaven. We believe that, that he made you to be in community, to, to know others, to lean into others, huh? to share life with others, to, to walk through this faith in God, to grow in your knowledge of God with each other, meaning we, we want you to do that. And, and so jump in, meaning repair the calendar so that you say, wow, I'm going to make sure somehow, way, I'm going to have time to come together with people who are in my faith community. This is how God intended it to be. Know God as he intended you to know him. I don't know anybody that's gone to groups and regret the groups. Every single person I know that has grown in their relationship with God has done so with the groups. It, it, it's just this community. Hmm? So repair it. Repair your promises. Repair, repair your promises to God. Some of you, there are those moments, those times over the months or the years where you've had this time with God and you've tossed out promises that were good and right. And, and you made them not from your own resources, but from how you were experiencing knowing God. And that was true. And then now you've come out and maybe you've in this diluted place, holy, unholy, mixture, and, and, and in all that, you've broken those promises. You've pulled back from those promises. But today, you know a holy God, and he's with you. 
and he loves you, and so now you're going to repair those promises. How about those promises you've made to people who you know and love within your spouses, children? Today, set out as you worship, as we sing this last song now, <laughs> to repair those broken promises. And last for me, and this is really, I don't know if I can say yeah, I guess it's kind of, it might sound selfish, but it's the most painful for me. And that's when I break promises to myself. At least it's the one that really weighs on me the most. And maybe it's the one that the devil uses to, to taunt me the most, is when I break promises I make to myself. Huh? But today, we, 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 you can repair that today. You can stand before God and you could rekindle that promise that you made to yourself. I'm not going to live this way. I believe this is greater. I desire this that I know is good of God. I'm going to have this better marriage. I'm going to turn around and have a better relationship with my children. I'm going to have a better understanding of life. I'm going to step out of this addiction. I'm going to see myself be used in a greater way in this life. And I'm going to see and know all this from the knowledge of a holy, living, loving, powerful, and present God. Yes? All right. So maybe you came in today and you didn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, this needs to be repaired, huh? The same God that called you in here, the same God that created you, your heavenly Father, he's with you now. He is in your midst, and he is calling you to turn, to repent, and to come to him. And he has given his son, Jesus Christ, for not just the repairing, but the redemption of your life. That today as you... Call out to God, asking for forgiveness, turning to him, seeking him to trust in what Jesus did, to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to believe that God is your holy, heavenly Father. As you do that, God looks down, and he delights, and the angels rejoice as the repairing is happening in the most significant relationship you will ever have on the face of this earth because you're a spiritual being, not a material being. And this right now, this decision to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow him, is, is, was put there for you to build your spirit, to nurture your spirit, to see that spirit live in eternity with your heavenly Father. As we worship, just know the freedom that exists in your life now. As you think of the days ahead, just rejoice with the hope that you now are having a pure moment with God and an awareness of all the goodness and the holiness of God and that you're going to experience the supernatural. It's happening right now in you. When we pursue holiness in our lives, God frees us up and he gives us freedom. To God be the glory.